the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast is an authentic space to talk about life and truth and love. This podcast has evolved, which is no surprise to me, because when you choose to live authentically, you experience a lot of change. Thankfully, it's always a positive change, because when you ditch the coulds and shoulds and let God lead, the outcome is always beautiful. This podcast started as a resource for recovering perfectionist, but has expanded into a place for all to come and be themselves, share their struggles and their victories, giving God the glory along the way. Our world today suffers from an excessive amount of pressure on all sides that leave an individual feeling overwhelmed, burnt out, and eventually hopeless. My guests and myself have experienced all these feelings at one time or another, which is why these stories and encouragements will inspire and uplift you. Hi friends, welcome to season three of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast. Season three has something extra special just for you. Along with the interviews you love from my authentic guests, you will have the opportunity to listen to the new free audio version of my newest book, The Relevant Old Testament, Illuminating Lessons from Imperfect People. I was inspired to create this audio version for those who want to listen during their commute or while doing the dishes. It is still recommended to sit down when you get a chance and go through this Bible study book as it involves a lot of one-on-one writing time with God. But I believe you will find this audio version helpful as you get started. Each chapter will be recorded as its own episode. Please feel free to share the listening links with your friends. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Abraham and Sarah, Part 2 Obedience Abraham's obedience is super cool. He was asked to do some pretty hard things, maybe harder than you've ever opened yourself up for. But look what came of it. Abraham was the father of many nations. The promises made to Abraham from God still ring true to this day. God is still protecting Israel. Abraham said, yes, God, and he kept on saying yes, over and over again. In chapter 24, we'll see how God told Abraham that his son Isaac must marry a woman from his homeland and not a Canaanite woman. Read and record. Use the space to write down any thoughts or observations as you read through Genesis 24. So now... I'm going to read for you Genesis chapter 24. A Bride for Isaac Now Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household who had charge of all he owned, Please place your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live. But you will go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Suppose the woman is not willing to follow me to this land. Should I take your son back to the land from where you came? Then Abraham said to him, Beware. 
that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth, and who spoke to me and who swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you will take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant placed his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten camels from the camels of his master and set out with a variety of good things of his master in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. He made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the evening time the time when the women go out to draw water. He said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show loving kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now may it be that the girl to whom I say, Please let down your jar so that I may drink, and who answers, Drink, and I will water your camels also. May she be the one whom you have appointed your servant Isaac, and by this I will know that you have shown loving kindness to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, came out with her jar on her shoulder. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin, and no man had relations with her. And she went down to the spring to fill her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly lowered her jar to her hand and gave him a drink. Now when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw also for your camels until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran back to the well to draw, and she drew for all his camels. Meanwhile, the man was gazing at her in silence to know whether the Lord had made his journey successful or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrist weighing ten shekels in gold, and said, Whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room for us to lodge in your father's house? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. Again she said to him, We have plenty of both straw and feed and room to lodge in. Then the man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. He said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his loving kindness and his truth toward my master. As for me, the Lord has guided me in the way to the house of my master's brothers. Then the girl ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran outside to the man at the spring. 
And when he saw the ring and the bracelets on her sister's wrist, when he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and when he heard the words of Rebecca, his sister, saying, This is what the man said to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. And he said, Come in, blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside since I have prepared the house and a place for the camels? So the man entered the house. Then Laban unloaded the camels, and he gave straw and feed to the camels, and water to wash his feet, and the feet of the men who were with him. But when food was set before him to eat, he said, I will not eat until I have told you my business. I will not eat until I have told my business. And he said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, so that he has become rich, and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and servants and maids and camels and donkeys. Now Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master in her old age, and he has given him all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live. But you shall go to my father's house and to my relatives and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Suppose the woman does not follow me. He said to me, The Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you, and to make your journey successful, And you will take a wife for my son from my relatives and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath. When you come to my relatives, and if they do not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. So I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you will make my journey on which I go successful, behold, I am standing by the spring. And may it be that the maiden who comes out to draw, and to whom I say, Please let me drink a little water from your jar. And she also will say to me, You drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca had come out with her jar on her shoulder and went down to the spring and drew. And I said to her, Please let me drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will water your camels also. So I drank, and she watered the camels also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. And I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist. And I bowed low and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has guided me in the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. So now, if you are going to deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, let me know. 
that I may turn to the right hand or the left. Then Laban and Bethuel replied, The matter comes from the Lord, so we cannot speak to you bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the ground before the Lord. The servant brought out articles of silver and articles of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the girl stay with us a few days. But her brother and her mother said, Let the girl stay with us a few days. Say ten. Afterward she may go. He said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away and may send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, We will call the girl and consult her wishes. Then they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. Thus they sent her away, their sister Rebekah and her nurse with Abraham's servant and his men. They blessed Rebekah and said to her, May you, our sister, become thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gate of those who hate them. Then Rebekah arose with her maids, and they mounted the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac had come from going to Beer Lahai Roy, for he was living in the Negev. Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, camels were coming. Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel. She said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, He is my master. Then she took her veil and covered herself. The servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. And he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Thus Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So that is the end of chapter 24. Now it's time for the questions. Who are the characters who are showing obedience to God in verses 5 through 6? What does Abraham tell his servant in verse 7? Why is it important? Did the servant respond agreeably? All right, are you ready for how cool this is? Abraham instructs his servant to swear an oath by the Lord that he will bring back a woman for Isaac to marry, but she has to be from his homeland, not the land he is currently residing in, Canaan. As we see, the servant has some doubts, such as, what if this woman is not willing? Abraham is not concerned with his servant's request. Abraham is only concerned with obeying God at all costs. The servant proposes that maybe Isaac go with him so that the woman can see what the son looks like at least. Abraham doesn't fold. 
He reminds the servant of God's truth. No, my son is not to return there. God has given him this land, the land of Canaan, Genesis 24, 6. I don't know about you, but I'm proud of Abraham. He's being so obedient, even when his people are tempting him to maybe compromise just a bit. Let's relate. This part of the story is a great example of how we are supposed to obey. Half obedience to God is not obedience. Have you ever partially obeyed God? I have. I used to partially obey all the time. I didn't have the relationship with the Holy Spirit that I have now. I remember God saying, you need to talk to this person and say, and I'd respond, hmm, how about an email? Yeah, an email will work. But no, that was not obedience, and it does matter. When we don't fully obey, we practice distrust and fear. Therefore, we can only obey if we trust Him. Obedience and trust go hand in hand. Obedience strengthens trust, and trust strengthens obedience. Maybe you're thinking, well, I guess I need to trust God more so that I can be more obedient. But how do I trust Him more? To trust God more, you need to know Him more. The more you read His Word, the more you talk with Him, the more that relationship grows, the more you realize you have nothing to fear. Having trust in God doesn't mean you never feel scared, but it is a good indicator that you are on the right track. For instance, in April of 2019, I ran a program called Uncover You in my Facebook group, and I participated with these women instead of just facilitating it. One of the many things God uncovered for me was that I was going to do a Facebook fast. I've never fasted from Facebook for longer than a day, so I knew right away it was going to be a challenge, and that temptation to hop back on would be strong. I felt the fear of what would happen in my absence. Will I lose my momentum? Will I mess up my algorithm? Most likely. But I knew God had called me to do it. In the week leading up to this fast, I would bite my nails at the thought of letting it go. But in that fear of uncertainty, I would breathe, smile, and affirm that if God leads me to it, I can trust Him through it. This example of how shifting my fear to trust didn't happen overnight. It took years. But I can tell you confidently that what you practice becomes easier. So the more you practice obedience and trust, the easier it gets. And soon the fear gets smaller and smaller because you know the overcomer. Before moving on, I must tell you, there was nothing extra special about Abraham. As I highlighted his obedience, I'm sure there's an urge to say something along the lines of, well, it was easier for him. There's no way that any of this could have been easier for Abraham than it is for us. He was a regular human with regular ambitions for his time, but God called upon him. He chose to respond. Abraham chose to open up, and God used him in a mighty way. He can use you just as easily. You only need to be willing. Thoughtful pause. Are you open and willing to be used by God in a mighty way? If not, ask God to prepare your heart and He will. Do you need to practice obedience more frequently? 
Do you trust God with every part of your life? The power of prayer. Prayer is powerful, and while our specific words don't manipulate God, they do have a significant effect on us. God was already over the whole situation with Abraham and his servant, but this prayer shows faith in the God of Abraham. The prayer fits the criteria for the woman that would be Isaac's wife. This prayer shows that this servant is in alignment with the will of God. O oh Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show loving kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now may it be that the girl whom I say, Please let down your jar so that I may drink, and who answers, Drink, and I will water your camels also. May she be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown loving kindness to my master. Genesis 24, 12-14 Reread Genesis 24:12-21. How long did it take God to answer the servant's prayer? Matthew 18:19-21-22, Mark 11:24, John 14:13 and 15:7 all say that what you ask for in Jesus name, he will do. I've wrestled with this idea for a long while. I thought, does that mean if I pray with enough faith, I'll get what I ask for? But now I finally get how this ask and you will receive thing works. When you desire God's will, you pray for something in his will. This servant didn't even have a personal relationship with God. He addressed God as the God of my master Abraham. But he desperately wanted God's will and blessing. He knew that he needed to fulfill this task. He asked and received in faith. Read verses 22 to 27. What happens next? Reread verses 28 through 41. Because Abraham's servant doesn't claim God as his own, what is remarkable to you in this passage about his attitude and actions? How was the servant's prayer answered in verses 42 through 53? List as many miraculous things as you can. Let's relate. Our prayers are so important. To me, it seems that Christians today have fallen into a bad habit of praying in doubt instead of praying in confidence. We pray and we have no idea if God will answer us in the way we ask for. It's the same reason we lack trust and obedience. It's because we don't spend time getting to know God for ourselves. We take what we've learned and we run with it. We take what we've heard and we run with it. I believe we have a lot of church-going Christians who don't spend time being still with God, listening for His direction, or just simply growing in the knowledge of who He is. We leave that up to our pastor or small group. But our own relationship with God needs to be the most important thing to us. When it is, we see prayers answered and miracles frequently. I'm not saying that miracles and answered prayers come only if you're trying or earning them. It's not about being worthy enough or following the rules enough. 
It's what we've learned quite a few times already in this book. It's about the heart. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7 God has given us everything we need, every tool, every capacity to think, and when we sync up with him, when we want his way over ours, we pray in confidence, and our prayers are answered according to his will. For the past year and a half, I have finally surrendered my finances to God. When there is something I think I should invest in or purchase, I send up a prayer. God, is this you? Should I do this? He answers me every time. He makes it simple. He says yes or no. On the rare occasion that he says nothing, I have learned that to mean wait, and I do. As we look back to the servant's prayer, we can see how detailed he was, and his prayer was answered precisely. The servant clearly asked for what he needed in both confidence and boldness. He knew that God would be the one who could make the way. He knew God would be the one to provide exactly what was needed. This spoke to me directly when I was writing this section. God was nudging me to pray with confidence and boldness. He confirmed it with his word because he is good. Rebecca is the answer to the servant's prayer. Verse 19 tells us that Rebecca fits the bill. She was exactly what the servant had prayed for. And I noticed in the specificity of this prayer, the woman he described sounded like a woman of great character. The servant wanted someone for Isaac who was kind and generous. I was able to relate so well to the response of the servant when he discovered Rebecca. He sat and thought for a bit. I believe it was a prayerful pondering, sort of a heart of gratitude mixed with thoughts like, did this really just happen? He said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his loving kindness and his truth toward my master. As for me, the Lord has guided me in the way to the house of my master's brothers. Genesis 24, 27. What a wonderful feeling, right? To know that you have successfully fulfilled a mission, that God saw you through, that your obedience bore fruit. This servant of Abraham didn't yet have a personal relationship with God. As was mentioned a few paragraphs ago, but I'm going to say this made an impact on him. It's important to take away from this passage the heart of the servant. He wanted to serve his master. This was his heart's desire. Because he wanted to serve his master, he trusted God. He called upon God. He came boldly before God. And God saw him through. What he didn't do was resist to obey his master or try to carry out this mission on his own. This lesson to carry out the mission with God is a crucial one. And he said, Come in, blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside since I have prepared the house and place for the camels? Genesis twenty four thirty one. The presence of God was over this servant, so much so that it was recognizable to others, and the others responded favorably. This is such a beautiful gift and one I feel that we too can experience.
God can show us favor in these ways. He can take care of us better than anyone. There is a prominent lesson for all of us who believe. Confidence in our Lord is critical. When we are walking in the confidence of the Creator, our eyes will be able to see more of what God is doing. This servant had a mission, and he was confident that if he called on God, his mission would succeed. We can do that too. We can come confidently before God, asking his favor and success over a mission he has given us, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Thoughtful pause. Can you think of a time when God showed you favor? Describe it. In what ways do you know that God loves you? Go back and read verses 34 through 49. Pray for God to reveal what he wants you to know in this passage. What, if anything, is God telling you? Do you notice the servant's confidence? A family agrees to give their daughter away, but wonder if they can keep her for 10 more days. Genesis 24:55. Instead of giving in, especially since the whole journey has gone so favorably, he says no. He knows he needs to return with this woman to his master, and he knows the favor of the Lord is upon him. Practice your confidence in the Lord right now. What do you want to ask of him in regard to your God-given mission? Maybe you don't know your mission yet. Use this time to come before him in boldness and sincerely ask. So friends, that is the end of chapter three, part two. I hope you will tune in to the next episode, which is chapter four. Take care. Hi friends. I'm so glad you've been enjoying the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast and wanted you to know that if you'd like to support and help share its uplifting message, you can leave a positive review on Apple or Spotify. To donate $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month, simply click the Anchor link in the notes of this show. Once you're on the Anchor homepage of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast, click the middle button that says Support, and select your amount and enter your info. It's quick and easy and will make a great impact on the lives of my family. Thanks for being with me today. Let's keep practicing saying no to perfect and yes to truth. Take care.